Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 210. Django was just yeah, yelling at me. And <laughs> it's really hard to go in this safe space and create art when Django has been yelling at me over a Zoom call. Figly. This is supposed to be a safe space in which we create art and talk about comics. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode two hundred and nine. The oh, comic podcast, Stockton Boulevard. Well, yeah, it's it's in uh, California. You can't get surprised by the spot as you're talking about it. It has to be. Listen, it has to be like a thing that you know. Like, okay, let's let's try it again. Okay. Modesto, California. Modesto. Where every week we fly to Modesto. Modesto. Um, comic books. We run a comic shop. We pick them up every week. We get them. They come into the store. We read as many as we can. Some weeks are crazy. Some weeks are normal. This week, I felt like I was off balance all week with my comic books. I can't wait to unpack that with you guys. I'm Jeff. I'm Jango. I'm Roman. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> Get it, Roman. Get it. <laughs> hey, um, how's hi? Hey, guys. Oh, hey, Jeff. You know what's crazy about this week is that our DC books came in, you know, like last Friday, as they are wont to mm-hmm. do, and then the regular diamond shipment, which is then supposed to come in on Tuesday, which is the day we would sort all of the books together. That diamond stuff came in on Thursday, so we did half of our books Tuesday for Wednesday, and then did the other half Thursday for Friday. Never mind trying to read them all. Django, this week, what you've been doing is you've been cracking those DC boxes kind of early and then distributing those books like a kid with candy on a playground that isn't supposed to have them. But I'm having a really hard time remembering like those DC books if I've read them last Friday, which is technically before I've even recorded the previous week's podcast. (laughs) I I actually... Uh, did that this week. I cracked the boxes, pulled out all the DC books I wanted to read, and then set them aside because I knew that with the other lateness, I was going to just have a real hard time. Like, you think that comics coming in two days late is just two days, but it's like 150 years. It's what I set days. my watch by. And at this point, this watch I'm wearing is just decorative because these books keep coming in all William Nillian. Well, you got a, you got a clock on your phone, man. Right. Na 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 na. <sighs> Old Jeopardy joke there from Roman Statler. That's some real gallows humor right now, Roman. <laughs> oh, Jeez, <laughs> yeah, buddy. They just played his last episode a couple days yeah, ago. Yeah, Roman. Real Did they? Well, I, I had no idea they just played his last episode. Jeez. Didn't, he die? Didn't he die like last year? You coquettish Demir Bird, you. <laughs> last year, because that was 2020. Oh. Uh, you a coquette. No, I could cokeheadish. Cokeheadish. Oh, it's He demonstrates some of the qualities of a cokehead. Hey, you got it. We're here to talk about comics, and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to divide it chunky style this week by Publication House. This week, we're going to talk about Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven. Don't say it's not over. It's no, just kidding. Do it's finally over after 
seven issues and 15 one shots. We're going to talk about uh, the future state slate of books. We'll start with super future, future state Superman of Metropolis. We'll move to future state Harley Quinn bird. Then we'll talk about future state, the flash, then future state wonder woman, then future state swamp thing, then future state, the next Batman. Once we've gotten all that DC stuff out of the way, we're going to move over to the Marvel corner. Just the one, Eternals, number one. <laughs> and then we're going to go over to the cross. So we're going to cross over <laughs> uh, number three. Jeff, I just want to say I, I loved your crossover joke and I, re- and I liked your, your, I liked your future slate joke. It's pretty good, bud. Yeah. I don't even remember saying it. Did I make a, a slate joke? Like a, the future state slate? Yeah, yeah. We'll only know when we go back and listen to this. I I listen to this on release day every time you post it. I thank you. That's why we have as many listeners as we do. Um, Before we get into the Future State slate, we're going to do Dark Knight's Death Metal. But before we do that, we need to talk about Future State, the titling of it. It's got to evoke Future State, right? Like it's got to be like a reference to like police state, right? What is that? Like what could that possibly mean? Man. I don't know, but a lot of these books do mention the magistrate and have like a, a, a kind of an authoritarian world going on. Yeah. I keep hearing different things about where this came from. I've only made up a conspiracy theory in my head. So, yeah, you know, kind I, of the, the same with me. I haven't heard anything about where they came from, but yeah, reading them, it does feel like these were all written, you know, basically with the premise of what if Trump got a second term? Oh, yeah. Well, we killed yeah. that future, thank God. But, but yeah, like it, who knows what it was? Like this five G event was going to be this thing where it was all of the realities in the future and amount. I don't, and I don't know if it was all going to be under the guise of a certain authoritarian regime or a certain time in the future or something. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like a lot of them have been sort of written with a similar conceit in mind. But just like the, that titling, future state, like it's it seems like it has to like. Just to be something state, I feel like obviously evokes the idea of police state. Police state, or, which is, it, it fits. Kind of, Totally yeah. fits, bro. So I just don't know why. Like, I just, it's such a bizarre thing to exist right now. Yeah. And it, it, like, the conspiracy theories I hear is that this is 5G. And they had all this stuff written and illustrated and decided to, to put it out as this special two-month event. I don't know that I agree with that just because 5G never got close enough for any DC comic to have been done, like much less written. These guys are writing stuff a month and a half before we read it, two months before we read it. And we never felt like we were that close to 3G. So my thinking is curious is more like, you know, they had hired some writers to do that work and then everything changed and, and it feels like okay like you know you, we all pitched some stories can you make those stories fit under this parameter instead and right. they were like yeah we can do that like that's what it feels like a little bit more to me than like I don't, I don't, it couldn't have been done especially like the art and stuff but yeah. like i could see maybe scripts having been done or like the next batman one it was a pretty high profile thing that was announced quite a while ago yeah it was supposed to start with batman 100 or 101 100 I believe 100 a hundred but Instead, we've got jimmy ti killing it v <laughs> killing it somebody give me an iv uh jimmy t killing me 
Uh, you know, I don't know, something. There's something there. There's something there. But Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, the crew. Apparently, um, Greg Capullo's last uh, last big Batman thing that he wants to do right now. Yeah, but isn't I've, they've they've said that their Batman relationship is over several books ago. Over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roman, I do feel like this one would have been worth reading for you because while it was the final clips of what death metal was and was supposed to be it was largely a sort of conversation outside of time about the dc universe being restarted roman would you care for me to tell you how it happens yes i i would i would care very much for that okay give him, give him the past state i will the, the what happens in this ding dang book roman is that wonder woman gets dipped in gold becomes a god because gold has that effect on all of us mm-hmm. and then she starts fighting this giant shadow which is you know the batman who laughs once he gobbled up <laughs> dr manhattan's brain and became the big uh, shadow i was excited for a minute i thought it was lamont cranston no better <laughs> everything's better um and they just start punching each other and they're punching each other forward and backwards in time as indicated by these bubbles uh that forwards show moments in time forwards and, and backwards these, and these dinosaurs which are in the past and <laughs> ultimately the big bad shadow is like wonder woman listen you and I have got to, there's these hands coming, which I think is a thinly veiled metaphor for like the hands of Jack Kirby and, you know, the hands of the original creators. They're going to come. Perpetua, right? Yeah, and Perpetua is like one of them. And they're coming and they are going to like restart this universe. And the bad shadow is like, no, we need to kill them you know, ultimately, so that they don't take us down. So help me kill these. And she's like, no, that would be bad. And he and she kills the big bad shadow, even though she knows that the big bad shadow with him dying, the big hands are going to come and restart the universe. So she had the opportunity to kill the, the hands, but she killed the shadow instead. And then the hands show up and they're like, that was so supremely dope of you. Like you saved our lives, even though you knew that you didn't have to, because we were still going to ruin your life and your world and your universe. So instead we're going to restart your universe, but we're going to do it with some caveats. Instead of all these restrictions and all these things that have been on place on your people, we're just not going to do that. All things can happen. We're going to bring back some people from the dead. All things can exist. They restart the multiverse, except for one caveat. Our Earth is no longer the center of the multiverse. There's two planets, one of them called Elseworld, and another <laughs> that we don't know the title of yet. And and then they have this... Us? <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's us. It's, is it supposed to be us and then Elseworld, Django? Or did, the wording was like, we're no longer the center. There's two planets there. And it, I, it wasn't clear if one of the two was us or if we were just sort of shuffled to the side. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't super clear on it. But then they're just having a big old dance party. All the good like guys Matrix and the bad style. guys, Matrix style, orgiastic mm. party on yeah. the uh, new Justice League watchtower, which is this really cool orbiting like space thing on the dark side of the moon. Oh, wow. And it's that symbol that harkens back to the beginning of Snyder's Justice League run that was like that oh. light. It is, yeah. I was, I was also going to say it looks like a combo of the watchtower and the uh, Hall of Justice. Yeah, exactly. And I really like the, its design. Like it's got this big bay of windows. Uh, I, I I really like the design of it and the bad guys are there and the good guys are there and Grant Morrison's map of the multiverse is there and 
Um, Scarecrow is there. And the you were there. And you were there. there. Punch and Julie are there. And it's all, it all works out. And everything's going to, on a narrative level, you know, how it tied into metal. I don't exactly feel like that was the strongest ending, but I wasn't really insanely loving that journey. So to kind of just do a big emotional punch here at the end of like all of this continuity restriction, like that we've been doing for the last, you know, 12 years, basically, like, we're just going to undo it. Like just the DC universe gets to tell story. If you want to tell silver age stories, tell silver age stories. If you want someone to be dead, they can be dead. If you want to be alive, they can be alive. Like just like in the olden days, there's a planet for everything. And I love that because in reality, I think they've been trying to do this thing for a while now, which is to say, we're going to put boundaries and restrictions on your stories in the form of like the new 52 originally and undoing certain things and making everything fit. Rebirth did a similar thing, but looser. And it's just, I, I don't think really any stories benefited from that. So I, I liked this Django. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. I, I was surprised that they were able to stick the landing on this as well as they were. Um, because metal has just felt like a glorious mess. Mm-hmm. Like it's been, it's been fun. I haven't missed an issue, but I haven't really understood what was happening the whole time. And this, this kind of explained a lot of things. It put this in a place in the rebirth universe, like in a place in time that which we didn't have the first time around. Um, I love that they're bringing back Elseworlds. I like that they are talking about this, not as like Rebirth or New 52, but an infinite frontier, which I think is a pretty cool tagline for the whole thing. Um, I mean, yeah, all, all in all, I, I don't think that, I don't think that it's going to be hurt. I don't think the DC universe is going to be hurt by loosening up continuity. I do hope that they have some way of telling us what stories that they're telling are in a shared continuity um, because I, I don't want to see Batman hanging out with the scarecrow, but have scarecrow dead in detective comics and mm-hmm. not, you know, like, I don't know. I, I could see that getting super confusing. Um, so I, I would I love to see just little, little icons that say earth, earth number 496 or whatever, as long as it's in multiples of 52, I'm into it. Yeah, it definitely has to be multiples of 52 for sure. But I, I, I think, yeah, you put it well. I get, um, I'm pretty impressed that they stuck the landing with it as much as they did because yeah, for the whole journey, it felt like dad was lost on the road trip and not willing to tell everybody. Yeah. And the fact that we made it to the ice cream shop, wait, were we even going to an ice cream shop? I'm just happy to be here. You know, lucky, lucky for him. If you stall long enough, something good will happen. And congratulations, Gosh. Scott Snyder. You stalled long enough. You stalled long enough. Yeah, I would give it, I think, an eight. I think an eight. I think it did what it needed to do really well, even though I don't know how they got to the spot where the, it was able to end. But I, Roman, I think that as a classical DC fan, I think it does a, a nice job of, it just made me feel like hope for stories. Cool. For the DC well, yeah. universe. Yeah, I'll, def- I'll definitely read it then. That sounds, <clears throat> that does sound pretty good. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see future state and all that because for me i kind of feel like well it's comics you could have done all that you could all along you can do those things you call them elseworld stories and imaginary stories or what if stories it doesn't matter you can always do these things so for me i'm kind of like well okay big deal (laughs) i agree i agree yeah but but you couldn't have ever ended metal unless you said this out loud 
<laughs> Thank God it's over. Uh, and it, it includes the uh, first appearance of Yara Floor, the new Wonder Woman. So, uh, Roman, if you need to borrow my copy, because I think we're sold out. I got you. Sold out? Gosh. Yeah. Sold out of a metal issue. We had a bunch of, well, we had at least three or four issues last time I was at the store. It's like a $20 book online now. It's it's just, it's uh, yeah, you know. Yara Floor, baby. Yara Floor, baby. Yara Floor. Oh, I got okay. a score? Seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's about where I put it. Cool. So let's move on to the future state. And there's no better place to start than Superman of Metropolis, future state, by to start creators. on future slate. Sweet. Oh, the, the slate of state books. The future um, slate of Superman and the Man of Tomorrow and the City of Metropolis, whatever it's called. I just had like a uh, like a kind of disorienting week of comics. I think, you know, between the weird times of them coming in and then just like all of these future state books kind of being in a different place at a different time. And like Eternals is a very different story than we've been <laughs> reading lately. Like it's just, I was, uh, you know, oh my God. What? Firepower came out this week and I didn't even grab it. Oh, oh buddy. I did well, read Firepower. Oh, I'm so jealous. I don't want to talk about it because I... I'm so bummed I don't have that book. God. No, comics comics have been confusing, but at least the world has been very stable. <laughs> kind of a calming, soothing situation. See yeah, if yeah. yeah, the weeks are just getting more and more calm good. and soothing, you know. More and more good. <laughs> it has Man. been confusing. The holidays and the weird delivery stuff. And I, I don't know. Except for the books that are right in front of me, I don't know when anything came out. Now I'm contemplating driving to Romans after this to get that firepower. Oh, I don't have it. I already, oh, I already returned lucky. it because we have so few issues. I know. I need to be ordering more of it. People need to be buying more copies of that. We're going to yeah. talk about Superman of Metropolis, but it was just a weird. I would, you know, I would have loved it, like a book like Firepower or something that had a real kind of like a lean-on consistency type thing this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I didn't have it, but we have this book. Did you guys like this Future State stuff? It was a mixed bag for me. I think I liked about half of it. I really liked some of it, and a couple of them I, I really didn't like very much at all. Uh, yeah. But I, this, this was one of the ones that I liked. Yeah, yeah, kind of the same thing for me. I mean, there was two this week I really liked. The rest, me. I love a, like a change of pace, and I, I guess one complaint I generally have about books – that do this thing where there's a time jump um and it happened like when dc did this very similar thing several years ago with futures end um you know it, everything there's an amount of just disorienting and when you're reading like all of them it can feel like a, a lot of work to kind of like learn all of these new worlds and these new characters and these new paradigms and there's all these kind of tropes of like not showing big things that have happened and just showing the aftermath of it and that makes sense but yeah it's hmm. yeah mixed bag is, is the right is the right wording but i do think this is one of my more favorites of the lot as well Django, sell me on superman <laughs> metropolis part oh, one uh john kent puts metropolis in a candor bottle like that's that's a selling point for me um, and if that doesn't sell it for you, there's some really cool art featuring a brainiac mutation. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I love a giant sphere with that many sets of teeth. I, I don't really know why that's brainiacs. Like, why does he have so many teeth? But I'll take it. Don't care. I, I just like all those mouths and teeth. I thought the backup stories in this one were pretty good, too. Um, 
there was there was one with uh, Shiloh Norman uh, that has kind of Michael Lark esque art, a, a little less polished than Michael Lark, but I, I'm a big fan of that style. And then also a Guardian story that just kind of threw me right back into about 1989 hmm. action comics, kind of Jerry Ordway guardian like a, a guardian feature issue um with the superman shield probably week 39 of 1989 <laughs> is is what that that story made me feel um but the thing where they have so it, it opens with john kent versus the military in metropolis and they want to stop this uprising um i can't remember all the details and i don't have it in front of me but the like the bad guy is brain wave Wave. yeah and he's like a a version of brainiac and he's been kind of mind controlling people ish um and in order to stop the fighting superman john kent without a cape just magics all of metropolis into a little candor bottle and that seemed like the most fucked up solution to this problem (laughs) Like that it didn't that work was, when they did it with Candor. Yeah, it was a medium-sized problem <clears throat> and a super fucked-up solution. And at that point, like, why not just put Candor back to regular size? Yeah, if you think yeah. And and it was a fucked-up solution in the context of the story too, because yeah. the other superheroes and characters are like, "What the? F- why'd you do that?" <laughs> yeah. But I like, yeah, I like the idea of John Kent being bad at being good, <laughs> and uh having having a paradigm that doesn't match up with all his buddies and then i think that it was probably maybe a little bit brought on by brainwave i think that he was being mind controlled or manipulated in a little in in some ways but then also to have those other stories be set in the bottled metropolis i thought that was pretty neat Hmm. you know people touching the glass it's like Hmm. the the simpsons movie yeah, that, that was cool. That was a nice touch. <laughs> the glass <laughs> touch. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is interesting. I don't know exactly how much I want to read about like authoritarian Trump winning states right now, which is what a lot of these lean into. But jokes on you, DC. Uh, you guessed wrong. Uh, no, we still got a week and a half. It could still happen. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> we haven't hit the future state yet. Trump ain't going away. <laughs> Not with supporters <laughs> like Roman. <laughs> Last week was Django's It's not Trump. And <laughs> and now we've got Roman's uh Trump ain't going away. Uh <laughs> quotes. Q told me, boys. <laughs> yeah, there's and they so that that is one thing that I was like, oh, you know, I you're going into a lot in these books, and um that isn't the most escapist thing for me right now. But yeah, I I, I like this one. I like this one pretty good. Top half of the stack. For absolutely top half of the stack for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the next book, which is Future State Harley Quinn. I did it's not cute. read two. Ooh. I did not read The Flash, and I forgot to take home Harley Quinn. It lives with my copy of Firepower down at the shop. Oh, nice. Nice. Did you read Harley Quinn, Roman? I did. Oh, good. I'm glad it's not up to just me. <laughs> this is uh, basically Hannibal Quinn. Or uh, Harley Lecter, if you will, where she's being used by the Scarecrow in Arkham Asylum to figure out ways to trap other Batman bad guys. So she's locked up and she gets rewards if she um, helps them capture Professor Pig. 
and uh, Firebug or, or Fire... Firefly? Firefly. Yeah. Um, Firebug's a Marvel villain. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is written by Stephanie Phillips, who I think in general we like, right? I can't, I can't remember what else she's done. Yeah, I don't know that name. Um, I'll look it up. And uh, illustrated by Simone DeMio, who is the artist on uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead. And I found oh. the art in this to be a lot more palatable, although we could use a we could use fewer French angles, Dutch angles on this one. I forgot. I Justin, I looked through that and I was like, oh my God, this is that same artist, and they're doing that. To me, it looked very much the same thing. Maybe it's, maybe it is more palatable. There's still just like these angles and thin panel, like mini tall, thin panels stacked where you just can't really tell. Yeah. The colors yeah. are a lot easier to grok. Yeah, the colors are <clears throat> colors are better. That's that's funny. I didn't even pay attention to the name, and now okay, that makes sense because I yeah. I didn't care for the art. And the colors are Tamara Bonvillon. Sweet. I like this. I you know I like the story just fine. You know I like the I like the psychological insights bits. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Harley Harley starts at a deficit to me because I just don't really care about her character. There, there aren't very many um, Harley antics that I really get into, including some of yeah. the older stuff. Um, and I don't, I, just in general, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I thought that this was um, solidly in the middle, if not uh, in, the, in the top half of the Future State books for me, which was surprising. She, she did uh, Butcher of Paris. Oh, okay. And she's, she did some Superman stuff, Tarna, maybe a couple other things as well, but Butcher of Paris we definitely talked about in length. Nice. She did Tarna, the heavy metal woman on the weird pterodactyl. Yep some some wow. ver some story <laughs> of a Tarna thing somewhere. Oh yeah, this actually this heavy metal one that came out pretty recently that had a cover by Christian yeah, Ward. I actually read that one. Nice. <laughs> and she's got a PhD in rhetoric and something else. So yeah, she sounds like a badass. I, I, oh. Yeah, I, I thought the book was pretty good. Yeah, I that one actually sounds interesting to me. I like that take on Harley Quinn, like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. You know. What What did you give it, Django? Um, I give it a seven and a quarter. You fuck. I <laughs> fucked everything up by giving that Superman just a seven and a half, because well, that's. We'll re-give it something. No, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to take my heels and I'm just going to fuck everything else up going. Journalistic integrity. I want to, I think I want to have given all of these books higher scores than I'm going to. (laughs) I want to sell lots of these books because they're returnable and we ordered a lot and it would help the store out a lot to sell a ton of them. No, like I, I I would give this one a seven and a half in a vacuum, but I didn't like it as much as I like the Superman one. Have you Uh, thought about not reading comic books while doing household chores? Seven and a half. But it's a different seven and a half than I gave Superman. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and and, parenth- and parenthetically, you would have given Superman an eight then. Maybe, maybe. How, parenthetically, like, are you calling shitting household chores? Uh, in a vacuum. <laughs> oh, in a vacuum. Okay. <laughs> you're you're vacuuming. Maybe if you hadn't been vacuuming, you would have liked the book have more. Enjoyed it what, more. What? You have to be careful defecating in a vacuum. I hear bad things <laughs> can happen. <laughs> it's taking my whole sphincter. My whole hole is gone. Oh my god! I am the pink sock that the song is about. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll give it a uh, six and a half. I liked it more than Superman. So 
Nice. Okay, well, Future State, The Flash. Now, this one I cracked, and I just I put it down because I thought these are all doing a different thing, but this one is like doing a thing from an era of comics that I didn't want to necessarily read. Like this looks like early to mid nineties house DC. And then you look at the creative team and that is what it is. And I just, I had to say, I can't, I can't do this one. Who's the creative team. Um, Brandon Veiti, Dale Eaglesham. Mm-hmm. So is the artist. I, so actually, I don't know the, the writer that might be a more current writer, but uh, I think I registered as a Venditti, which is, you know, a writer oh, from yeah. moderately modern. So Roman, did you read this one? Yeah, I, I read all of them. Did um, you like it? <clears throat> uh, I, uh, boy, you know, I love the flashes. I love Jay <laughs> Garrick. And like, Je- like Jeff said, um, Eagle Sham, you know, he was, I think the original artist or, an artist on a big chunk of Jeff Johns's JSA. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a fondness for his art, even though he draws everybody. I'm mean, Jay Garrick has a giant Superman chest. And it's like, what's going on with Jay? Everybody's a little <laughs> grotesquely built. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, spoilers, people, they kill my favorite flash, Jay Garrick. They kill him like on halfway through the book. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and he's only 36 too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. So the the setup is that the flashes don't have access to the speed force anymore, and they're using the um, villains, the the rogues gallery's weapons, right? Yeah. To try to stop Wally. Yeah, which at first I, there was a couple pans I didn't realize that I was like, "What's Jay doing? Like up in the air? Oh, he's got toy man shoes or something." Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, more bad Wally stuff. Yeah. So they're they're sticking with that bad Wally from Heroes in Crisis. No, now like he's, he's being manipulated by some. He's got somebody inside of him, fucking with him. Is that what's going on? Because I forgot what happened after Heroes in Crisis when he became like cosmic Wally. He became Metron, <laughs> and I mean it doesn't. Doctor Manhattan also. Doctor Man. Doctor Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. Is it based in that Manhattan Tron? <laughs> no, this is after that, and and it's actually, gosh. I think maybe I can't. I, I said that thing about death metal thinking about this flash issue because Wally's been running around the world killing people, and but he's kind of been trying to outrun this evil thing inside of him and doing things as slowly as he can in order to like in order to get somebody to come save him. So, like, he's been he's been sort of stalling with no plan, just hoping that some situation changes. Um, and I really like that. that part of the tactical plan that he had but i sure didn't really care about the rest of it yeah i kind yeah kind of the same for me i was i kept on i like all those characters i kept on waiting for something more substantial and interesting to grab me even though there was all sorts of stuff happening but are they all roommates all those comic creators or <laughs> the those, flashes? All those flashes. All those flashes. They like all it live seemed in... like they all probably lived in the same four-bedroom apartment. They all live in the Flash club, clubhouse, which is the four-bedroom apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepier when you call it the clubhouse. Well, what do you guys give this book then? I give this one a five and a half. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to give this one also a six and a half. Okay. Okay. Listen, thank you for doing the heavy lifting on that one, my friends. Let's get over to future those two. Future State Wonder Woman, Joel Jones on the art and writing, Jordi Belair doing the coloring. This is a gorgeous comic book. Yes, 
It yes, is it is very pretty. And the col- the colors you said Jordi Belair. Yeah, naturally. Naturally. Yeah, um, it's an interesting. Uh, it's definitely an interesting voice for this character, who's this new character. Um, we're in the Amazon rainforest, and there is uh, a Wonder Woman esque type character who is. Did it sound like is the child of Zeus and Tupa, or is that just with a reference? Maybe we don't actually know her origin yet, but she's in the Amazon rainforest and she finds this kind of annoying little uh, what? What is this thing that she finds? <laughs> this like child, um, this little, older child, little monstrous demon. Yeah, I forget now. I'm trying to find the page where she it first shows up because that's a that's a a um, forest spirit straight out of um, Brazilian. Uh, folklore okay like and, and she's brazilian right she is yeah 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 and it all it, it does feels like there's roots to all of it in here but um yeah i did definitely it drops you in on a world and it does not give you all of the answers and i'm i'm okay with it because actually i really liked the character and how like clearly flawed she was and that was embedded into the narrative about her as well but mm-hmm. and like the antagonistic but also camaraderie like between her and the forest spirit that she's with like it's uh there's a lot of pretty great dialogue and banter between um wonder woman and her so i, I think i think the characters were well written and, I think and she's above basically all, beautiful just got to go to hell yeah on a mission right and and so they go through hell and it's like a train station or a an airport or something to get there. I loved that because it's got like kind of elements of Greek and I assume elements of Brazilian art styles. But yeah, it's it's like an airport. It's, that that part felt very Neil Gaiman to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cerebus is there. Oh, they got. Yeah, the, I, I love the directional sign. Friends and family rewards members with arrows, yeah. but it, but it's Gehenna, which is Gehenna was one of the hells, I think. Okay. In the Bible or in in Greek literature, maybe. I dig how like confident it is with its own voice. Like Joelle Jones has been doing gorgeous art for several years and has been writing books. You know, she wrote Lady Killer and then she was writing uh, Catwoman. Catwoman. So she's a she's obviously a talented writer, but like it's just it's a unique tone in a book and it's not leaning heavily on any pre existing DC character stuff. So to go this hard into its own unique voice, I think is. It's pretty rad, and I, I think she did a, a pretty good job with it. Um, you know, yeah. If I had one complaint, it would be that I didn't know who this Wonder Woman was. Yeah, I had to go back through and and look for the word Yara or Floor. And I think, as far as I could see, they only said Yara once. Like mm-hmm. it, it just didn't give us a real good introduction to this as a new character. So, like when I was first looking through it, I was looking at it as if it's Diana. Um, because it could be a stylized Diana. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, just kind of a weird, a, a weird way to introduce a brand new character with, with a weird name. Roman, what, what, what do you? <sighs> I, I re- I really enjoyed this. It was fun. It was, you know, and that's one of my, you know, that's one of my criteria for a comic book. If it's fun on some level, and it's just a lot of fun. The art, I love the little demon devils that are running around because they're super cute and little black malevolent cute guys and yeah i didn't mind i had no idea because i didn't read uh the final issue of death metal i had no idea who this wonder woman was or anything but 
I'm approaching these as if they're all Elseworlds and I don't really know anything except the most basic name concept of the character. And she's a fun character. I mean, she's, I assume she's part of the lost tribe of Amazons that are supposed to be in, in the Brazilian jungle, the Amazon river named after him. Um, so I'm assuming she's part of that, but we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeah, arts, so we get a, we get an Amazonian Amazon instead of a Greek Amazon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did love when they get to the underworld and the conversation between uh, her little forest spirit friend and the demons, which just, yeah, that back and forth was awesome. I, I really liked the squiggly lines for the demons. <laughs> yeah, and I was just reading that as like, like, you know, like a little squiggly sound and then her just responding to these bizarre, yeah, and just it was a, a well-written one-sided conversation. The stuff that Yara did in that scene I guess it shows that she's super impetuous. Um, but it came across to me as like not really understanding that you're in the waiting room for hell and maybe follow some of the rules that the expert tells you. You know, yeah. It, it wasn't a mis- like she didn't stray off the path. She jumped the the carousel. Yeah, yeah, it seemed a little more than impetuosity if that's a word mm-hmm. um it's just <laughs> it, it seemed kind of well geez that's uh are you dumb what <laughs> yeah have you never read a neil gaiman story <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always a, a bizarre waiting room but, yeah. and it was funny you know the way she tricks the the dead apparently sumo guy in front of her to get his coin to pay the pay the ferryman not um, very heroic though nope not heroic but fun yeah. Ain't no Diana. Hashtag not my Diana. Not my Diana. <laughs> like, I like her tiara better though. I like Colette has mentioned just like how like what a wonderful eye for fashion Joelle Jones has because in Colette, yeah. Colette also has an eye for that. So that is very present in this book as well. So I dug that yeah. part of it. I give this one an eight. Me too. Me too. I give so it Django, this is your favorite coins. of the books so far. So far, eight, eight coins for Sharon. I love Sharon. Over the I river love sticks. Sharon with anybody, you know. Sharon Osborne? What's mine yep. is yours. Cool. Yep. Future state, swamp she's, thing. She's, oh. Jay, Roman, please make your joke. No, it's too late. It's Sharon past. Osborne. Over it, the it river was, sticks. It wasn't, where, even, it, it wasn't even a joke. I was just going to mention that. Oh, yeah, she's got COVID. Wow. I think real funny, bud. <laughs> Way to bring yeah. it down, bro. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> Future state swamp thing. We'll cut all that out. No, we won't. No, we're not. <laughs> um, this one is written by Rom V with art by Mike Perkins and colors by June Chung. Mike Perkins. I like this one a lot. I, I did too. This was my favorite so far. It might be one of my favorite swamp thing comics that I've read. After the Tom King special. <laughs> I read it. I thought it was pretty good. Everyone said it was the, their favorite going into it. And I liked the pages that had like the anatomy stuff. Mm-hmm. Harkening back to that one famous issue. But um, I wasn't actually really loving the whole just sort of tra- traipsing around with like the different swamp people. So it's it's far, 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 far in the future after people are maybe off the planet or are dead. And Swamp Thing has made... and. Do we know that it's Alec? Just the green. We, we don't green know that, but okay. you know, we kind it of assume it is because, yeah, it, se- it talks like mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And he's made swamp 
Swamp Thing monsters, like Swamp Thing people, um, to keep him company and to search for humans. And uh, well, they, they finally find some humans way up in the way up or way down in in the tundra, mm. either in the Arctic or the Antarctic. <laughs> the Antarctic. Uh, I think it's up. Is it up? And, I, and yeah, I think they went north. So the reason that that the green couldn't see them is that they were, uh, you know, away from anything green because they were just in the snow. Uh, I, I don't know what it is that appealed to me about this one so much, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and that's coming from somebody who's not really a, a Swamp Thing reader, never really been interested in it. And I, I, I even, haven't even read the Alan Moore stuff. <gasps> Good Lord. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, 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 uh, Django, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm don't look at him or make a sound. It's, it's some of the best, best. He's the only one in the room who's read it. <laughs> what? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> time to start shipping out my uh, my swamp thing, uh, absolute swamp thing to you guys. Um, yep. I love I love this. I'm a I'm a big swamp thing fan, right from like Len Wein and Wrightson's original stuff, and this was cool. I love a good swamp thing quest story with weirdness going on the art's really nice who is the artist mike, mike perkins. perkins yeah mike you said perkins. That. um though it seemed a little different than i don't know i guess didn't he draw a cap and captain america i'll look into it you keep going yeah he did a bunch it, of punisher it, recently oh he did do punisher i was gonna say it seemed darker than his usual stuff but no punisher is pretty dark so so i guess it's not that different um i really liked all the anatomy stuff i really liked the explanation of Swamp Thing's quest that is his quote-unquote children are forced to go on with him because there's some <laughs> dissension about that and conflicts. Um, he's got a, you know, kind of foolish trickster character along with him that you're kind of like, why did the Swamp Thing created these beans? Why does he keep this one around? Because he just keeps trying to question him and get in his way and mess things up. Yeah, and I, I read that as the Alec part of Swamp Thing being lonely and wanting wanting people company. And so he made these flawed, uh, like mushy metal men, basically. <laughs> like each, each of them has a very specific personality, hmm. kind of like the metal men. Yeah, um, I like that. I like, I like this group. I, I guess I can identify with an, an organic group better than I can with the, the robots. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that mushy metal men ana uh, analogy. That's good. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, they did go north. Uh, there's a page toward the end that's uh, speaking of the art. That's very. It's right as they're sitting around the campfire talking when, after they've found a human, um, and it's very reminiscent of I want to say not not Gene Cullen, but um, oh. There's a panel close up of the human that his face. I'm like, wow, that looks a lot like Bissett or Tottleben, you know, some mm -hmm. of the classic Swamp Thing artists. It's really nice. Yeah, this this one, this one uh, I liked maybe the most of the Future State books. I definitely did. Oh, and the ending. Oh man, the ending. Who was that? that? Was awesome. Is that like Arcane or? It is. I, okay. The Undying Man. Okay. Yeah, How do we know it's arcane? Is that just what he's referred to as the the Undying Man and other things? Well, his I didn't know realize it at first because when they first show that figure on a in a wheelchair with 
a red apparently cloak around him. I thought, is this Superman? Is this another Superman clue? Because you expect him to be immortal. But no, when they, the final page, when we see him and his dialogue, yeah, it's, it reveals it's arcane because that is his thing. He doesn't, he's immortal, okay. but he can get really messed up. Um, and he's always doing this kind of stuff, trying to manipulate forces and biology and the green in order to eliminate Swamp Thing. And, and he's got obsidian. They're using obsidian's powers to do this. And so I'm real curious how that works. Yeah, I think that would probably hit me deeper if I knew some about those characters, which I just don't know enough about. Try the Alan Moore Swamp Thing, Jeff. Oh, I've read the beginning of it. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you real quick. Obsidian is the son of Alan Scott and the sister of, or the brother of Jade. Interesting. Uh, Alan Scott's daughter. Hmm, and he basically controls, he basically controls what Marvel calls, calls the dark force. I don't know what DC calls it. They call it a 7.5 in my book. <laughs> I give this one a nine, maybe even nine, a 9.5. Nine fiver. I'll give it an eight and a half. Nine or five. Eight yeah. or five. Yeah. Okay. The next Batman was my favorite of them. Nice. And I had forgotten that Darrington was doing the art for this until I opened it up. And I just, I love Darrington's art, but I love that this is like a kind of different Darrington. And it's almost like it's creating this overlap space between Darrington and Fornes. Yeah. Hmm. And it had some uh, Francovia vibes for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the coloring stuff, I could see that. Just like bigger shadows. It, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a interestingly, slight departure from Darrington and still fantastic. I don't know if I like it quite as much as like the Batman universe art, but it's still very, very good. And and it's, it's kind of smoothing out that style that I really like of just sort of like, you know, drawing comparisons between this and like Jorge Fornes and Frank Avia and, and these other artists I like who seemed like more independent or like just like unique having their very own voice artists and then now kind of seeing that there's a kind of a school of them all obviously influenced by people like um year one Mazzuchelli and Mm -hmm. darwin cook and everything but anyway this one falls in that group of like you've got an authoritarian state here We, we mentioned that bruce is gone and there is a batman that we're hanging out with and we know what we can assume it's a fox kid because there's the two fox sons talking while their sister is in the hospital and i'm not for sure which one of the two of them is the batman but um maybe we do know that i i kind of went into this without really knowing anything um but yeah I, I just i dug the voice for batman here i thought like the bane thing like the bane gang was kind of dumb but then i was also kind of just like processing this through this okay if it's not dc comics and it's actually just like if we're driving through the ghetto and like, this is a gang, you know, like are these are these two kids being recruited into a gang while young and, you know, not necessarily super wanting to, uh, I think that stuff felt written very true to me as soon as I kind of got beyond the, the silliness of the Bane aspect of it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was happy to be reading this the whole, the whole ding dang time. I, I think that uh, the Bane, the Bane part, that's, that's a logical move for a street gang right like that's a badass mask it's such a good costume i fucking love it yeah Yeah. i don't make it's it's luke fox right no it's tim or what's the other one's name tim is the bad brother that's kind of the impression where i got it was 
Yeah, and Luke is the the one that I guess still lives with his mom. I don't in, think they ever say the word Luke in here. She calls him Luke when he comes down the stairs. Oh, God damn it. Right after the first Batman sequence, the Fox residence. Morning, Mom. It, it was morning four hours ago, Luke. Okay. Did you guys like the scene where Batman takes out his uh, grappling gun and it yes. splits in two? And yeah, so much. Grappling hooks, one, one to bring him up and one to catch the kid that was on the street. That was awesome. Like it was awesome. It was beautifully illustrated. It was a great bit of storytelling, but it also then really made me think of Batman the Animated Series in the best way. Like this mm-hmm. had, you know, tones. Yeah. Of the page right after that is the full page scene of him like holding the two Bane gang members. And now I'm looking at it. It has like a kind of a Tim Sale vibe as well. Yep. Yep. It's just, it's a confluence of some of my absolute favorite art. And yeah, I, the, you know, we are introduced to this cop who then goes to talk to another cop who's not really working as a cop anymore and, you know, is maybe working with bad guys to like help set up things. Cause he's got some insider knowledge and you know, that, that was a little kind of out of nowhere, but I also think that like this dude is a screenwriter. He wrote movies. So he's, I think he's probably kind of, he's not necessarily strictly writing a Batman story. He's writing the Batman world in a type of story that maybe could have been a movie or something. So like we're, we're meeting new characters and that's good, but it doesn't feel like we're stuck within the strict Canon, which is, I guess what these are all for anyway. Yeah. I dug it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to move on to the, the Katana back up, but it sounds like you're still in the Batman world. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I'm curious about it. It, it, uh, I still like Swamp Thing better, but this one, and it's funny, I like the art, but that last page or second to last page that Jeff was talking about where he's mm-hmm. up on the precipice there with those two guys. I love that, except the thing that took me out of it was whichever brother this is, you know, they're not Bruce Wayne. We assume, okay, so he hasn't had a lifetime of training. What took me out of it is how is this Batman holding up a full-grown adult male with one arm by one arm <laughs> with yeah. only one arm i was like come on that's silly does this one have superpowers what's going you on you know what took me out of it was i was staring at it and i was like oh my god look at those clock hands this art is amazing <laughs> god i fucking love it like i i i went in sort of the opposite way with it and i was just focused on the dick-shaped building in the background i didn't Very see that i love the coloring of it too and the shading and all um yeah, I'm curious because at the the very end we see another apparently a couple other gang members show up and they have some kind of like ruby uh, gemstone mask or something. It's like, oh, so is this version of Gotham like the movie The Warriors, just with all the different themed gangs and some of them are really the stupid? <laughs> That'll be kind of cool. Yeah. It, sorry, Jay, were you going to say something? Well, the, his mask is interesting. They they never really focus on the fact that he's covered his mouth. Mm-hmm. Like you, you never see his mouth. But in most of the panels, it could just be, you know, in Shadows. shadow. Yeah. Uh, there's only really one panel where you see that for sure he's got a smooth mouth, which I always used as an insult in high school. Yeah, and the B cover by Koipe, it's it's like he it does show the mask. Yeah. Like being cracked or something. So yeah, oh, it's just an does... interesting choice in the in the issue though. Oh, does he have a full face mask? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, see, like, I... Yeah. Oh, I assume they were just artistically shading his face so it wouldn't be revealed that he's a black guy yeah i think it's a you know he mentions like bruce is gone and stuff in it Mm -hmm. so i wonder if he's trying to like not let on that it's not 
like that it could still be Batman, mm-hmm. and, like still be Bruce. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I like uh, that. I think of all the future state ones, and I know that their purpose is to be like these are v- stories that just could happen. But what I liked is that this, I had to do the least amount of work I think to be in this world of all of the six or so for me. So yeah, I liked that. It was the least, you know, I, I, it was a very smooth transition to me being in this story and not. Did you read either of the backups, Jeff? I read the first half of the third one because I like the Arkham Knight, but then I remember they, it's actually just following right up on that, like the Tomasi run where Arkham Knight is, and I just really wasn't digging the sort of the political, the protectors going into that. But I did stop and stare at that incredible double page spread in the Katana issue thing. Yeah. I, I like the Katana one quite a bit. I might've even liked the Katana part more than I liked the Batman Nice. And I, yeah, and I can't really tell you why. I thought the fight was a little bit boring, for the most part. Like the like the the story and the structure isn't super interesting to me. But something about the characters really appealed to me quite a bit in that one. Um, and I did not. I don't think I was able to even finish the Arkham Knights one. It, yeah. It, I don't care about Artemis, and I don't like seeing. Two Face trying to be a good guy, or whatever he is, and it's so many words. But I like the art in that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's some the Katana one. Yeah, there's like you said, Django. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. It was a cool story though. Maybe, maybe it's just because it reminded me of movies like The Raid and other stuff, yeah. movies like that, where there's you know there's cool stuff like she, she deflects bullets by twirling her sword around. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, not <laughs> even a yeah. Jedi. Yeah, yeah. That is a gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous page there as well. And that cutaway that Jeff was talking about. Yeah, the cutaway. That's cool. And I'm curious what happened to Black Lightning. And and yeah, the same thing with the Arkham Knight. I couldn't remember when they first that character first showed up. I had to Google because I was like, who is this character again? And the art's real nice. I like the art of that story. But yeah, I don't care about the Arkham Knight and her team of good guy, bad guys. And, I didn't mention that first story was written by John Ridley. I well done, talking John about Ridley. Darrington. Well done, uh, Jeff. I would give that one an yeah. I'll get uh, yeah. I'm yeah. I'd give the Batman one an eight point five, but I it's the one I was most excited to keep reading. I'd give it an eight. I'd, I'd give it a I'd give it a seven. And are the backups bringing that up or down? Um. Oh, I guess bringing it maybe a little down. If the whole thing had been Batman, maybe I'd give it a seven and a half. I mean, Darrington art, you know, like if I had a whole $8 issue of Darrington art, that'd be hard to beat. Except I didn't like it. I don't, this new style, I don't quite like it as much as his older stuff. I, I agree. And, and there was one particular page where I just was like, is it just rushed? Like that seems weird, but like the, the shot of, the fox residence just like that space like a well-lit room i was like oh this reminds me of like bad filling art i wonder if uh that's tamara bonvillon again i wonder how much the colors are impacting this art oh yeah because i guess he does color himself right i don't Did know he color himself or no i think did like matt wilson maybe color him or in the batman Dur- universe or like Jordy belair it was it was another high profile colorist i'm sure Dave Stewart, uh, maybe. Yeah, but this is this is definitely colored a lot more noir, I think. 
Yeah, it is. It is a different style. Um, I still absolutely adore it. But yeah, I, I can't exactly put my finger on it. But Roman is totally right. There's it's there's something going on there. I can't believe Roman read all of Generations Shattered. Yeah, talk about Generation Shatter. <laughs> we didn't mention that one, but get it, guy. I didn't read it, guys. Get it. Dump classic DC in my hair. <laughs> um, I don't have a copy in front of me. Do you, Django? Uh, no, I don't. Dang. Well, I'll try to remember. It's, uh, it's a, it's a booster gold time travel through the DCU, save time and everything. Blah blah blah. Story. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like more than just booster gold, it's skeets attached to the arm of Commandy. Yeah, which is just like Roman as fuck. Yeah, because it's a booster and all. Is it a? We don't know. It's an alternate universe booster and skeets in the beginning, or a, everything's an alternate. Even universe. further, far future state booster that gets killed and skeets goes to Commandy and latch becomes his arm armor to guide commandy because commandy is supposed to gather these a team of heroes throughout time and space and some he gets and some he can't get so he gets some subs <laughs> he, yeah he keeps he keeps making choices like oh well i'm in this situation with uh superman and you know some and and uh bibbo and clearly <laughs> i'm supposed to get bibbo yeah and then skeet is like no you're supposed to take the other one and it's like well why didn't you tell him, Skeets, you supercomputer AI instead of the caveman kid? <laughs> How's he supposed to know? So, Roman, did this make you feel like a kid again? Because I felt like I, sh I needed to be a kid to, to care about it. <laughs> um, I was hoping it would. Uh, and I think if I was a kid again, I would have liked it more. But it just felt too much like, oh, it's another trying to mine the old cool characters, but there's not really a whole lot of substance here um it, it was almost like they wouldn't let them play with the cool toys yeah 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 they had yeah they had the surface you know the outer packaging of the cool toys but you never got to actually take it out of the box and play with it i'm all that said all that shitting on this comic said i'm gonna read generations stitched together or whatever the i don't remember <laughs> what they're calling the next one but there's there's another book coming out yeah and i'm sure i'll probably read it too i mean it's got commandy in it and and I forget who the other characters even are now that they get it's it's not actually I, I wish <laughs> but it is like I love me a booster gold story even if it's only <laughs> with skeets and um yeah and this is written by Dan Jurgens, isn't it the, uh, the created booster gold written by like five different people. oh that's right yeah there's a bunch of people that wrote it and yeah. yeah yeah and I don't even know why how does it tie into future state and death metal what is it there, nothing ties in anymore, Roman. It's the Omniverse. That is the first. Oh, taste so it's the of first. The Omniverse. Okay, so it's the first event book of the Omniverse, along with Future State. Sure. <laughs> yeah, an event centered around Commandy and Skeets. <laughs> Skeets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm amazed we can't. Neither one of us can remember who else they gathered in the issue. They got. Uh, they got a team together. And yeah, they got 1939 Batman. Oh, that's right, the Purple Glove Batman. Yeah. Yeah, and if you punch that guy, he doesn't have any armor. He's just wearing cloth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would I would give this probably a six and a half just for the audacity of being made. I didn't love it, but I I somebody did. <laughs> this is not a bad comic. It's just a lot of choices that I didn't care much about. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I would I would give it a oh man, a seven and a half. What you doing, Jeff? Just uh, sketching on my Eternals blank cover here. Ooh, I forgot <gasps> um, to bring mine home. Let's talk about the Eternals number one by Kieran Gillen and Isad Ribic with art colored by a very nice colorist in this here issue. And I think it's probably Eve Shorshina, if I'm being Matt honest. Wilson. Is it Matt Wilson? Matthew MF and Wilson. Let's let's get in and talk about this. Let's get in and talk about this Jack Kirby creation written by Kieran Gillen. Roman. It was so fun. <laughs> it was so fucking good. Was it? Oh God, I'm so glad somebody liked this. <laughs> I loved it. I, I didn't dislike it. I was frustrated with it for about the first half. And then um, a little bit more of the purpose or direction seemed to set into me. And I liked mm-hmm. it from there. Yeah. And then I went through and actually reread just the computer program, like text over everything for the first like half of the issue. Cause mm-hmm. all yeah. the Hickman stuff. <laughs> just the no 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 like the the oh oh the, the yeah the machine the machine dial or yeah the monologue. blue blue text yeah. yeah so roman you're gonna have to lead this for us because i just i don't know if this is good eternals or bad eternals or what the eternals is or like what parts of this harken back to other stuff or what the overall mythos is so um, um yeah i would i would say it's i would say it's good eternals um the the quick elevator pitch i guess is the eternals was jack kirby coming to marvel in the 70s and kind of continuing themes he was exploring with the new gods at dc so this is um, after so he did his tenure at marvel went to dc did the new gods like all of the fourth world stuff and then went back to dc and eternals is what he did at the return um the other way around Excellent. he went back to marvel did the eternals after being at dc Right. Sorry. That was what I all said in my head, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, okay. and he didn't get to finish. Um, the new God sales weren't that good toward the end. So right. they all got canceled. So he never got to finish his new God story. So when he went to back to Marvel, he created the Eternals to kind of keep exploring those themes, but just with different characters, but same thing, cosmic gods, basically. And he didn't skimp on the circles and lines. No. No, 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 no. Still very new godsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I've noticed that that uh, Isad Ribic here. I don't know if he did it or somebody before him, but they kind of changed Icarus's costume to be less circly and liney than Kirby's. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but this is a lot of fun. I think there it it does it would be I think a little daunting for somebody that isn't already familiar with the Eternals. Um, because uh-huh. <laughs> there's a lot of ref- there's references I mean first page when Icarus wakes up and his uh, it's referring to I had to google it there was a previous eternal series that did not sell well at all where or no it was one of the big crossovers Civil War or one of those where the Eternals all got killed um, because mm. despite the name they can be killed but they can be brought back and one of the things with this, people are going to read this and think, oh, well, they just ripped off Hickman's X-Men. Well, no, the Eternals were doing that long before Hickman was writing comics. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, that Hickman take didn't even occur to me. It seems like a thing that's always, I mean, they're eternal, so they just are always reincarnating. I get it. I get it. I'm with are you. We, 
Are we headed towards a world where data pages are a Marvel thing rather than a Hickman thing? I don't think that like, I don't, I don't have any respect for this data page <laughs> and I don't have any respect for it even being compared to a Hickman page. Cause that is just lists. That like, first one. No, but this, the machine one. Oh yeah. That absolutely. one is better. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That one's better. I just, the, the, the one with like all the classes and types of people and the different, just, I was like, that's, that's just lists. And beyond that, it's like 75 line items. Like it's I'm not so fucking, boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. So then who is Sprite? Sprite. That seems like a character Sprite. that maybe would be nice to have known. Yeah. Sprite's another, just another one of the Eternals. Um, though they kind of explain her in the text, I thought. Um, she was kind of the trickster character, the trickster archetype for the Eternals um, in previous versions. Um, she was a preteen boy, now a preteen girl, because um, again, trickster character and shapeshifter. Um, and she was always causing problems for everybody. Basically, she's the, the like preteen Loki. Cool. It's so funny to have these characters. So like a lot of the Marvel universe is based on mythology. And then this is also based on mythology. And so they've got to come up with ways to have two Lokis in the world. And so one of them's an eternal and one of them is Thor's brother. You know, like it, it just seems like these characters are archetypes of a lot of other Marvel characters and and fitting them all in there seems like a, a real trick for the writers. Yeah, yeah, and we'll and and you're absolutely right. I mean, well it wasn't in this issue. In future issues we'll be introduced to like Makari, who's the speedster of the Eternals mm -hmm. and name is based on Mercury. And and then retroactively they said that Makari was a couple of the um golden age speedsters from timely comics just like they did oh, with cool. max mercury at dc was a couple of other golden age speedsters um <clears throat> but they're very but the eternals are rooted in marvel history the they uh like they helped they were created by the celestials the first time they came to earth and the celestials were experimenting and created the eternals and the deviates um offshoots of the eternals Eternals made colonies in other worlds. Some of them like went to uh, Titan, Saturn's moon, and created a colony there. And that's where Thanos was born. So that's why he'll show up because he's technically etern an Eternal, just a, the, the Saturn neighborhood Eternals. I didn't know that. I, I When they were explaining that there was the son of a couple of Eternals, I was like, is that Thanos? Because they, they mentioned a snap that... yeah destroys the world and um i had no idea that he was anything but just a cosmic dude yeah yeah he's a cosmic eternal <laughs> um first time i ever saw these guys was in thor in the late 70s because they had and that was the first place i ever heard of the celestials because that's when the fourth host was coming down and thor got involved and the asgardians all the gods and the eternals um this was this is good Eternals. I mean, Icarus is um, true to his his character, the way Jack Kirby created him, where he created him, where he's 
pretty straightforward and kind of a stiff guy, quick, you know, aggressive, doesn't want to think things out too much. Um, Love the nose breaking scene. Yeah. Yeah. He does what he says he's going to do. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, did you like this? I did like it. I did. I don't, I don't have any complaints about it, you know, outside of like it being all like new stuff for me. So like, you know, it was just, it was a, I was off my footing for just the kind of whole week of comics. Really. I didn't, mm-hmm. um, cause it was all meeting a lot of new things for me. I love Kirby. I don't love Kieran Gillen in general. I want to like it more than I did, but that's because, you know, I wanted, like, I, I'm not part of the informed, you know, I don't know that I love Isad Ribic's art as much anymore. Like it, like the big eyes and I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it, it doesn't speak to me quite as much as it used to. I, I thought that this was, this was a lot better than I expected it to be. When you've got a Marvel team that is a group of characters that I've never really identified with and you put out a double or triple sized issue right out of the gate. Um, a lot of times I get lost and, and bail halfway through, but I liked it pretty well. I didn't care for the the ooky time pocket that they end up in at the end. And I thought it was weird for the computer to ask the reader if they've seen gremlins. Um, that bugged me quite a bit. But Yeah, that bugged me too. I like the art. I would like to see somebody ink Esad Ribic because um, it looks like colors on pencils to me. Yeah, his like Thanos is beautiful and stuff. Yeah. Like his just general like human figures or kind of weird for me and their eyes are all like it's always super big does he does he not have an anchor it's just him doing everything yeah all the art chores yeah and i mean it, i'm sure it is inked um i would just like to see see uh like an assist on there and just see what happens to it because i like the shape of his art quite a bit weird to get like iron man in here as well like yeah it was uh it was just like all of a sudden it was like you know, from being between six random molecules secreted beneath the North Pole to then being uh, on Times Square with Iron Man was like uh, jumping off, jumping. Yeah, and I forget he's had maybe more dealings with the Eternals than most Marvel characters. I think that's why he's there. In fact, I think that previous story that I didn't read they mentioned in here basically the Eternals were all dead because they found out in their last storyline that they weren't created their purpose wasn't what they thought it was for the last couple millennia Um, so they all decided to basically commit suicide Hmm. which kind of seems kind of silly since they're Eternals Um, (laughs) but wake me up before I know this (laughs) yeah (laughs) So Roman, would you give it the gooey? Would you drop it? Would you drop it like it's a, a gooey, gooey duck? Zip. Um, let me think about the other books this week. Uh, I give it at least a nine and a half. I mean, Zip. yeah, I wish the art was a little, it's kind of murky in some spots and maybe inking would help. Um, a different kind of inking or something. Yeah, I but can't I love... wait to see what IDW book he's got for his 10. I, I don't know if I have a 10 this week. Um, 
I love the Are Eternals and the Deviates. I love the fact this Deviant monster they show up. It shows up in the sewers, and at first I thought it was a dire wraith, but no, it's a Deviant. Um, it's super Cthulhu. It looks like something from the cover of Neonomicon. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, it's a good book. I'm excited. I hope this. I don't know how long this series is supposed to be. If it's a mini series, five issues. Yeah, I think it things have probably changed for it considering that movie was pushed way back because of covid oh yeah yeah who knows <laughs> i give it an eight I give it a seven and a half crossover number three i caught up i had forgotten number two at the store because the schedules are just crazy anymore so i read two and three today and i like this book a lot this was a really good comic it's, it's just fun <laughs> It's it is just, just fun, fun. Get off my back. It's just fun. <laughs> it sure is. They brought back one of the best teams ever. The Paybacks. Paybacks. Some one of Donny Cates' second, third, early series early. ever. Yeah, and Heavy Metal, and then published by Dark Horse, and then canceled. And I can't remember if that this magi- like this interdimensional ju- magician guy was he on the Paybacks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Was so. yeah. he's not yeah. from Buzzkill? I, I never thought Buzzkill. Buzzkill hmm. was just the one dude, right? I couldn't remember if he like was getting his powers from somewhere, and this guy would show up. Like, oh. or maybe I'm just thinking of a different book with like a psychotic Doctor Strange character that would just kind of like show up. Like, I don't know. I don't drunken I don't, like this. I don't think I ever finished the Buzzkill series i did finish buzzkill but i didn't finish paybacks so that's why i was thinking he was maybe from pay buzzkill and he was added to paybacks oh. sorry Could be. just a second fixed it Could um, be. I, don't, I don't remember i could totally be wrong though it, I, yeah sorry i was looking it up i didn't find oh it. sorry i was just about to <laughs> um so this just keeps following the same story that we began in in the first issue and uh we've got the little girl who is from the bubble where all the comic book characters have been trapped is uh they've they've decided to break into the bubble with her and get her back and maybe find the ellipses the main character's parents i love the scene where she's trying to paint the halftone dots off the girl's face like she's putting makeup on the little girl to try to make her look more like a person rather than a comic book character. Um, but her hair is still blue and dotted and her eyes still have halftone dots in them. Um, and then we also start seeing kind of what's been hinted at with the, the preacher's son um, kind of escaping from his dad and, and not being as shitty as you, you were led to believe when he set the fire in the comic book store. And we get a great kaiju fight and uh, a nice, pretty tense scene of people in cars at a checkpoint. Uh, I thought that was a pretty effective storytelling device there. Totally agree. And then at the end, we get uh, an appearance of Madman, which is awesome because they hinted at that before. The girl drew a picture of what we thought was Superman. And it turned out to be Madman because they both have kind of lightning, lightning bolt or S on their chest. 
I thought that was very fun. I would rather it be Superman, but I think there's still a possibility it could be Superman because that character has a cape and Madman doesn't have a cape. But I, I think oh, it was awesome true. when it happened because you're like, oh, that is like a, it could just as easily be a lightning bolt, not an S. Yeah. Yeah. And Madman's never had a cape that I can think of. Man, I don't remember him trying one. I love the way Dr. Black shoots, like uses finger guns to teleport everybody. He just like yeah. shoots at them and then they're teleported to the their secret hideout that is the guy from buzzkill so i don't buzzkill. know if he was okay. also in paybacks but um nice. he was in buzzkill so it's kind of like if anything it's cross it's a donny kate's masturbatorially crossing over all of his different books into one thing which is also cool probably the ones he could get the rights to yeah um i thought we were going to see spawn in this issue given that todd mcfarland put spawn on the cover of them but Maybe. uh it was not to be Maybe that was just last issue. I wonder if we're going to see uh, a tomahawk in here. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't remember what that series was about. <laughs> Comic or card tattoo art. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Django, do you think, or Jeff, um, do you think when the preacher's son, um, when he gets his suitcase out from underneath the bed and pulls that gun out, is that also a reference to, oh, the trump the trunk and repo man and the suitcase with the radioactive stuff and pulp fiction oh i was thinking kiss me deadly oh. that that did it first that that film noir hmm. um, i haven't seen but then pulp the fiction two. but then pulp fiction referenced it and repo man referenced it is is this also a reference to all that interesting that would be pretty cool um i like i like that he puts uh maybe a kryptonite bullet in the gun yeah yeah <laughs> Of course, it all came back to the fucking Watchmen again because I can't escape the Watchmen every week. How's it come back to Watchmen? What? Well, the issue started with about Watchmen. Oh, oh yeah. just the squid. Yeah, okay. Once yeah. upon a time, there was a comic book. You've probably read or seen the show or the movie or the other comics that inspired or stole from it. Like, yeah, it's it's overtly talking about the Watchmen. I, I did like pointing out because on when he's talking about how that and no it didn't bring the world together and unify people because that's all bullshit and i, mm-hmm. I and I, that did make me chuckle because i was thinking wow alan moore wrote that unify the world story kind of thing not who you really think of as writing you know <laughs> Anything we, yeah, yeah happy endings it's about hope hope. <laughs> yeah i thought uh i thought crossover was great i wonder how long it's gonna be i hope it keeps going i love that like they didn't really ever say it but that mech is it's either just like kind of a cool mech but it has some very gundam specific flares to it mm-hmm. um i'm gonna give this one an 8.5 also really good comic i'm gonna give this one a nine i liked it quite a bit i i uh, i'll give it a nine too yeah fuck yeah buddies God. all right now listen both of you guys have bits to do oh what are they called today Django, you've got my Uber under Indie Ground um, power behind power. Power. <laughs> my uncle power. gave you beer before your uncle gave you beer. I wish. Um, and yet, no. <laughs> you you are on you're ready. Tell me about this Uber Underground Indie Power Hour, you old, you old, old, old hip man. I read three interesting Uber Indie Underground comic books. I read Sengi and Tembo from Scout Comics by G. Falco. Um, Falco did it rock me on Mateus. Wow, yep, yep, cool. And that song was stuck in my head the whole time, Roman. <laughs> it's about a mouse just trying to make a path in the world, trying to keep its its pathway clear so it can do stuff because its mom always told it to keep a clean path. 
and an old elephant that gets attacked by hyenas and falls down and seems to almost die with his trunk blocking the mouse's path. And uh, they just have kind of a conversation. There's dung beetles. Shit makes a big appearance in this, which I didn't expect from ostensibly a kid's book. Actually, <laughs> literally a kid's book. It's uh, Scoot is the imprint from Scout. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I went into this expecting to think that it was really, really, really good. And instead I thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, seven and a half on that. Did you, did you like it more than that, Roman? No, I guess, yeah, I'll give it about it. I give it an eight. I mean, I thought the art was really, was really nice. You know, if I had a kid, a young kid, I'd, I'd like sharing it with the kid. Cause it's yeah. not, you know, the animals talk and talk to each other, but it's not Disney-fied. I mean, it's got enough realism in it that it'd be cool to share with a kid. Yeah. If I had a young kid, I wouldn't mind sharing it either. You want to... Sorry, it's a great line. If it I had does a good kid, dishes. I wouldn't mind sharing it with it. But if, I, if it had stopped there. Pass the kid around. Uh, David Pipos and Luca Casalanguida did Scouts Honor for aftershock that's the lost soldiers artist lost soldiers yeah i guess yeah it absolutely is um and it's pretty fucking good it's uh far 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 in the future um boy scouts and the boy scout uh rule book is kind of the bible and um you know it's Aftershock has a mood of comic that they put out and they, they do it really well. And David Peepos, who did Spencer and Locke and um, the, going to the chapel, I think it was called. Um, I like his stuff. Like every time I read one of his books, I'm impressed enough to read the next few issues. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just a, just a real good post-apocalyptic um like the the main character is passing as a boy because the scouts it's not boy scouts but it's the boy scouts if you know what i mean wink um they won't let girls in the in the thing but she's the best boy scout that they've got um good stuff seven and a half i also read last witch from boom by connor mccreary illustrated by vv glass and it is super kind of cute looking Disney character design about a young girl on her birthday who wants to go adventuring, but she's not allowed to because her birthday happens to be the same day that um, the daylight witch is exploring the woods. Like there's a witch that only appears in the daytime during one day of the year. And uh, she goes on an adventure against her dad's wishes with her little brother looking for her friend um it's good yeah the the cliffhanger was pretty awesome the the whole thing is um you know you you could give this to any anybody probably 10 maybe even younger it's it's an entertaining book and uh you know i liked it i'm four and a half times 10 so the end 45 i give i give this one also a seven and a half Maybe, maybe a seven and three quarters. I liked it more than whatever that DC book I gave seven and a half to. You're not 45. No. Pretty close. 
Didn't you just turn 40? You're 41. No, I do need to pee, though. <laughs> oh. I pee well, a Why don't you pee now. while I'm Roman joking. takes us... Oh, okay. To the Mary Marvel Minute. This for the world. <laughs> I don't know if I have a whole lot of Marvel books for the Marvel Minute. Oh, they don't have to be Mar- Marvel. Well, I know, but I, I was going to do Singy Sen- and Tembo, too, because I didn't. I expected no one else had read it. Um, but we already did that. Listen, us 36 to 44-year-olds like Sengi and Tembo. I got to admit, yeah, I would share it. Yeah, when I saw that when I saw that cover with the elephant, I was like, I want to read about the elephant. Thanks, Django. Yeah, I would well, you know, you don't want you don't want your grubby kids touching your comics. <laughs> I I think it's funny because it sounded like you were talking about sharing the child. Oh. If I had a young oh. kid, I wouldn't mind sharing it. Oh, I see. Okay. Did I, did I realize that's what I said? <laughs> you didn't. You just kid. There's a slight we pause. We can just have a kid. Like, we'll, oh, Jango's we'll as a community plans to have another kid. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah it'll be. It'll be like the comic store cat, but it'll be a kid. Ooh. Why don't we here's, just get a comic store cat? Here's the comics place kid. <laughs> the Marvel Minute. <laughs> well, Jeff, we both read Thor number eleven. Oh yeah, um, we sure as butt did. Yeah, yeah. It was another just, you know, as usual, another great Thor, Donnie Cates issue. Uh, Donald, so Blake, Donnie Bates Donald Blake Cates goes to dinner with Jane Foster and he's creepy and scary. Thor's still trapped in that place, freaking out. And he meets Ratatasker, the, the Asgardian squirrel that runs up and down the world tree, causing, causing mischief. Hung out in Squirrel Girl recently. Um. It's just a cool issue. Can I ask you a question about it? I have so yes, much to say yes, to you. Yes, 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 yes. First of all, it's nice to be here with you. Second of all, uh, I know about that rat thing because of you. You were the first <laughs> one to tell me about it. That's great. Second of all, do you think that he like he he like stabs her in the hand and like then sucks her soul out and that is awesome? She maybe he sucks the the Thor force out of her because it's always something force. Does he actually stab her in the hand? I thought he did. Um, and that's a good question, because then a couple pages later, it looks like, no, he didn't, that he just right. imagined all that. But you ask him, Matt, thinks, did he really do that? And she just doesn't know that he did that? But the look on his face when she says Donald, I mean, he still just looks shocked at yeah. the news that she used to be a Thor. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't know. I kind of think he didn't do it, but what was that two-page spread about then which was very beautiful by the it way was I mean, gorgeous i mean the 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 dinners food and steaks flying everywhere oh, it's just like so much meat cutting like meat. yeah there's meat everywhere coffee there's a, a steak knife through her hand and he's ripping valkyrie end thor out of jane <laughs> how am i not reading this book dude and beta ray bill got his horse sucked out of him so now he's just a weird grubby pile of yellow yeah now he's just a Corbite or whatever his race was called, um, which is yeah. uncomfortable looking. Why does yeah. turning into Thor turn you into a horse? Well, no that that's what he looked. That's what his race looks like before he became a Thor. The horses. Yeah. So then yeah, why he, did... And he's the he's like he's like Superman. He's the last of his race because Galactus ate his planet, and that's why. And but that's what they all look like is horsey dudes without the horsey snout but he sucked the horsey out of him oh i thought i thought he just sucked the thor power out of him well that's what i thought too but it took away his horsey nature 
He's just like a grub. Oh yeah, he's just a yellow guy with none none of his horsey face left. Oh yeah. no! <laughs> it hurt. So, like, how did they get? That? But then we Odin. get Thor. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, did you like that? Nay, I did. Thor is in here, and that's very good. Yeah, that was great. The bit with Thori not telling that Lockjaw took off. Good then, fucking book. And then we see Jane is like got a death orb over her, and then yeah, what's that about? Is a death orb a thing? It is in her Jason Aaron Valkyrie book. She, her abilities as a Valkyrie, she can see these death orbs over people to let her know, oh, this person's about to die. And the bigger the orb is, is the sooner death is going to claim them. Wow. And then she's supposed to do her job and take them to the afterlife. And now she's seen one over herself. So that's not good. Wow. Okay. That, that means even more. Yeah. Great issue. Yeah. 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 Great ending. Yeah. Um, and the only other Marvel book I can say, and if that was Jug Knot number five. Yeah. The last issue of the series, apparently. At least it reads like a last issue. I don't know. Um, Oh yeah, and it ends with the typical "a new beginning?" question mark. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, the most important thing about this one is D Cell Juggernaut finally gets her to admit that yes, she is a mutant, and in order to protect herself from the authorities and Kamala's law, um, she agrees to go to Krakoa. So she leaves this series to go be in the X books. Um, and at the end of this, Juggernaut is forming a team with three people on it so far to go, I guess, do like the Thunderbolts did years ago and try and be superheroes. The end, question mark. Oh, <laughs> a new beginning. The beginning. Hey, yes. guys, I just have two very side question email things here. Um, yes. One is from Andrew, and he asked, will we be hosting the metaphorical barbecue when we go, go gooey duck hunting in the future? And I forgot about the metaphorical barbecue, and it was one of my favorite <laughs> possible ideas we've ever had. Um, I think eating a metaphorical gooey duck is the only way I'm going to eat a gooey duck. So I mean, You wouldn't eat it otherwise? You wouldn't eat a real gooey duck? I don't know, buddy. <laughs> but we tossed the, toss the word coward around a lot and, okay. <laughs> and like, yeah and you've, you've eaten lots of weird things what's what's a gooey duck <laughs> it's like i have a hard time with shellfish already yeah, yeah one time, I don't time, somebody, time somebody gave me an oyster that was as big as my head and i ate it but i jesus <laughs> i'll never do it again and i feel like a gooey duck would be like like a clam which is one of my least favorite of the shellfish but a big clam, but then like 10 times bigger than that clam you just imagined. Um, yeah, if I, I can't swallow it whole, I don't know that I could eat a shellfish. I gotta admit, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't like any shellfish, but I'll eat, I'll, I'll eat gooey. If you guys are eating gooey, I'll eat gooey with you. I like going clamming. I like going gooey ducking. Man, like I also me. just love hearing Roman say, like, referring to it as like, if you're eating gooey, I'll eat gooey. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> is that is that how it's talked about um and then for just a tail question fucking um dino sent a question in after episode 205 he responds to one of django's fucking questions <laughs> oh, fell down on the job I with, we were doing that 
Question <laughs> for you three movie fans. Do you like w Studio, WB Studios releasing their movies on HBO Max and at the theaters on the same day? Would you want it to remain in place post-pandemic? Thoughts? Man, I wish I had added this to our conversation we had last week. What do you guys think about that? I actually don't mind it. I totally zoned out. Can you ask the question again? <laughs> I don't know what happened. My brain just shut off about 30 seconds ago. How got do you feel? About- got all filled with gooey. Ooh. <clears throat> How do you feel about WB Studios? Okay. Uh, releasing movies digitally the same day as the actual oh. releases. Um, okay. So first of all, they've, they've only promised that they're going to do that for this year. And I think that that's a good idea. I think that locales are going to be opening at different times. Not everybody's going to have access to see these big blockbuster movies. And I don't have a problem with them releasing these things in a way that anybody can watch them for starters. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Roman's beautiful. Roman's just <laughs> the most beautiful man I've ever met. I'm just sitting here. just listening to Django. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I like it because I am somebody who loves movie theaters and will go to movie theaters voluntarily to be there. But there are also some things that I don't think Des, like necessarily benefit drastically from being seen in movie theaters uh, i think you know we're in an interesting spot where like if movie theaters are really closing down and if we're like uh are slowing down you know like if we're actually looking at a future where movie theaters are going to be closing if a lot of them aren't opening up again from this you know i'm thinking about like does that mean we'll be seeing fewer movies made where they're sort of selling spectacle like in the way that wonder mm-hmm. woman and marvel movies sell spectacle things like massively benefit from being seen in theaters if theaters are less accessible um will there be fewer of that type of movie being made i don't know but it made me think that like i'm not too worried about it because my favorite types of movies are ones that like are you know either you see it in, like an art house theater or a big movie theater or on your house couch and it's all kind of the same because it's just a lot of talking heads um i hadn't really thought about it either do you know um I mean, I'm all for it right now, of course, during the pandemic, but I do hope once the pandemic is, well, once we've got COVID under control, whatever that's going to mean that we can go back to theaters. And then, you know, I'd prefer that the, uh, the big budget stuff, especially is released in theaters at first. And then, you know, if you want to do it digitally or streaming later, sure. Just like the olden days. Yeah, but now it'd be like, like a month or a month or a month and a half later, not like a year. Yeah, you'd have to wait. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a tricky thing. I know Hollywood's having a hard time figuring out how to, how people should get paid. Because um, if you're getting, if if a bunch of your box office receipts are just a twenty dollar HBO subscription, how much do you actually get of that? I don't mind like the $20 rental fee. Like, you know, Sam, yeah, Sam and I can rent a movie for $20 when it comes out. Like we did with trolls Two and onward early in the pandemic. And it's less than we would pay for two tickets at a movie theater. And it's not, you know, like I think that that works out well. Yeah. I've, I've paid for probably four or five movies like that since the pandemic hit. I would, if I had the choice, I would rather spend $40 to go to the movie theater than $20 to rent it at home though. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I love sitting there because Roman always holds the popcorn. He always makes it his job to hold the popcorn <laughs> on his leg that you can always reach in and get. And and if he's got popcorn, he sh- he he would share it. Django yeah, did once yeah, would. poke a hole in a popcorn <laughs> bucket and stuck his finger in it, and I was eating it, and he did scare the living fuck out of me in a movie with his finger in a popcorn bucket. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Hey, everyone, this was episode 209. Just a couple of buddies hanging out, talking comics. Modesto. Is that all our, our emails? It is. Guys, we need some more emails. There's there's a couple old ones that got missed on the holidays. I'm sorry, but they, they don't apply any longer. Give us the emails, though. We love you. Info at the... Com- no, fuck that. Get it to me. Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Get it right to oh. me. Send it right my way, and I will make sure it's on the podcast. That'll be very good. More emails or voicemails. Uh, this will be going up on Monday. We're going to be doing a Gideon Falls post Gideon Falls meetup tomorrow. I hope I hope all of mm. us will be there for that. Yeah, I have. I'm too far behind. I'm not going to make it. Yeah, I probably won't either. Because yeah, I'm. I don't even know what the last issue was I read. Well, I have not read anything past the first trade paperback, and I will be there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then in uh, uh, two weeks after that, right, we're going to be doing the book club with a very special comic. Yes. That we picked out on the last podcast, Ether. Uh, the last book club. Oh, yeah. Ether. The beautiful thoughts, uh, friend of the show, Andrew Carlson. Um, Pap Caster. Pap Caster. Uh, you were you wanted us to workshop a phrase. I hardly know her. No, 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 no. Like for, li- for the viewers. I know they're not viewers. The listeners. The listeners. You're like, oh, like the 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 pap team. Ugh. You 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 started this thing out before this podcast <laughs> talking about like wanting a like wanting to work in casters like apostrophe something or like you said. Oh some, right, what was that? Um, the, ca- <laughs> the, the cast members. The, the cast, cast members, is, right? Is right. <laughs> um. So if you want to join us, cast members. <laughs> It really was bad. <laughs> I don't remember the good ones. How do you expect me to remember the bad ones? <laughs> all right, everybody, get your emails in. Uh, we'll talk to you all next week for episode 210. I'm Jeff. I'm Django, and I got to ask everybody a question. Uh, <laughs> what is what is um, Wolverine's favorite kind of apple? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, get your question answers in for that. I know Dino's already got six puns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, get your answers to Django's gold <laughs> to us before next Monday. My gold and delicious. Golden apples on the side.